Shigodya Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Shijivika Swami ki jai, Satsandarvas ki jai, Anantakota Vaishnavindi ki jai. Glorious devotees, we will continue with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. We're doing a quick overview of the Paramatma Sandarbha. And we will continue where we left off 
with a discussion of the ontology of Paramatma and then go on to the ontology or the truths uh, related to uh, the jiva. Again, just as a reminder, all of the first three Sandarbhas are based upon um, unpacking of this verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yaj jnanam prameti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. Learn transcendentalists, know the absolute truth. Who know this absolute truth? Call this non-dual substance Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. So continuing uh, with the Anachetas that we left off with, uh, which was an, a discussion of the Bhagavan, the first Purusha. Um, I'll read the Anacheda as before, as in the case of Bhagavan, the prerequisite for his Paramatma's manifestation should be understood as bhakti alone. That manifestation is threefold, as is said in the Naradiya Tantra. Bhagavan Vishnu has three forms, each called the Purusha or the immanent self. The first, Mahavishnu, is he who sets in motion the total material energy, Mahatattva. The second is Garbhodakshaya Vishnu, who is situated within the egg-like or womb-like universe. And the third is Kashirodakshaya Vishnu, who is eminent within the heart of every living being. He who intuitively knows these three is liberated from conditional existence. This Anacheda is rather long, so we have just taken out some select portions uh, for review and insight uh, into the nature of Paramatma, the ontology of Paramatma, what is the this, the, the science um, behind the, that results from the revelation of one who has fully identified themselves uh, through realization with Paramatma. Not that they become Paramatma, but when we say self-identification, we mean that one enters into a state of understanding which exceeds um, a filtering of information through the mind-body complex, uh, generally referred to as revelation, samadhi, uh, in different ways. Uh, the progressive transcendentalist uh, experiences the transcendental reality. So Yanacheta again, uh, some select portion here. Bhagavan Vishnu is also known as Sankarshan and Mahavishnu is found in Brahma Samhita. The effulgent eternal Bhagavan Sambhu, Vasudev or Mahanarayan, the Lord of Vaikuntha is his, Krishna's causal agent, Linga, in the matter of generating the world. And Mahavishnu 
Sankarshan, the lord of the cosmos, appeared within that causal agency, linga. So it's a little technical here, and we're going to unpack a bit of it so that we can understand the point that Jiva is making, which, as we discussed in our last um, class regarding this Paramatma Sandarbha, one of the unique features of Jiva Goswami's contribution uh, to the understanding of uh, the nature of the Supreme Absolute Truth in his personal feature was that there is a distinct distinction between the Supreme Lord and his various manifestations. That distinction is understood uh, through the philosophical terminology of achinta beta beta tattva, meaning simultaneously one and different. So similarly, the Supreme Lord is one with, of course, and somewhat different from uh, all the various manifestations um, which come forth from him. So this verse from Brahma Samhita is giving us some glimpse into that simultaneous one and different distinction. So there is a Mahanarayan, the Lord of Vaikuntha, and in the Brahma Samhita verse, it's saying is his Krishna's, meaning Krishna, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, the source of all manifestations. So Narayan is a, an expansion of Krishna in Galok, and he's known as Bhagavan Sambhu. He's also known as Vasudev. He's also known as Mahanarayan. And he is a causal agent, Linga, in the matter of generating the world. world. And we will unpack this terminology uh, so that we can better understand the use of the word linga or causal agent. And Mahavishnu, Sankarshan, the lord of the cosmos, appeared within that causal agency, linga. So now we're seeing that we are being introduced to three distinct manifestations of the Supreme Lord. Krishna, the original, uh, who resides in his own abode. Uh, then from him, we have manifestation of the Lord of Vaikuntha, uh, Narayan, in this case, distinguished as Maha Narayan, or Vasudev of the Sankarshan, the first quadruple expansion. And then we also have um, Mahavishnu Sankarshan, uh, who's the, the Lord of the cosmos, or the original agent for the manifestation of the material world. And now we're coming into the understanding 
of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Absolute Truth. Uh, Jiva also writes in this Anucheta, it is necessary to explain the word linga from Brahma Samhita that we just quoted in accordance with the Vishnu Purana statement this entire cosmic energy is situated in one one hundredth million part of his part. The pronoun his refers to the supreme form of Bhagavan, Sri Govinda, and the potency to manifest the Purusha avatars belongs to him alone. So the original cause, the source of all these manifestations, is coming from Govinda, Bhagavan, the original Lord Sri Krishna in Galok. And the entire cosmic energy, we can just get a glimpse into how magnificent and how much energy is there in the in the various shaktis coming from Krishna, in that this verse from the Vishnu Purana is stating that a hundredth million part of his part is the entire cosmic energy. The entire cosmos or material manifestation is, is just a fraction of his energy. Now we can see this basically from two angles. We can see it from the perspective of uh, Aishvarya, in that the Lord has so many, mag so much energy, so much Shakti, that the material manifestation is, is practically insignificant in comparison to the, to the entirety of his shaktis. So if the entire cosmic, material cosmic manifestation is a, a hundred millionth part of his shaktis, how much must be that Vaikuntha atmosphere and all that is contained therein? And all of the various manifestations coming from his personality his personal forms, and also those separated forms, uh, which are of the marginal nature, or the tatasta shakti, which are coming from the paramatma feature of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Now we can look at also from the from the bhava aspect that that the entire cosmic manifestation is coming forth from, from, a, from a desire, a compassionate desire on the part of Sri Krishna through his various manifestations. So just one part of this loving compassion that the Lord has can manifest the entire cosmic creation. And imagine all that the all that is contained in that love of the Lord, 
um, to manifest the material manifestation um, that how how great is that is that bhava coming from Krishna himself. Jiva continues in this Dhanacheda, a special part of that causal potency of Sri Govinda is known as Sambhu, Vasudeva or Mahanarayan, who is called the causal agent Linga. Comparable to that causal potency, Lingam Iva, because he is the agency through which the Purusha avatars appear. In other words, the term Linga, denoting a portion of Sri Govinda, is the basis of the primary meaning of the word Sambhu. Linga thus refers to a special portion of Bhagavan alone as understood from the above context. So the true agent, agency, by which there is a, manner, a material manifestation is coming through from Sri Govinda, the original personality of Godhead, to his Vasudev manifestation or Mahana Narayan. And because this manifestation of Govinda is that causal works in that causal capacity, he is referred to as Sambhu. So some commentary to kind of unpack this. Jiva Goswami affirms that bhakti alone is the instrument is instrumental in the manifestation of Paramatma also. So as I said, the the little bit of bhakti that is, is there can create a whole material manifestation. It's some small portion of Lord Krishna's shaktis. So it's also required in order to even understand and appreciate the Paramatma feature of, of the Lord, a little bhakti is required. In fact, a little bhakti is required in order for us to understand and appreciate all the features of the Lord, Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan, or the various unlimited manifestations of Bhagavan, which we will dive deeply into when we get to the Krishna Sandarbha after we complete this overview. May raised. If Paramatma manifests only for the sake of his devotees, how could the creation proceed since there would be no devotees prior to creation? The answer is that Paramatma evolves the cosmos for the sake of those devotees who could not attain the completion stage of devotion in the previous cycle of creation and are lying dormant within the body of Paramatma. Mahavishnu. At the end of a creation cycle, the cosmos is dissolved back into the unmanifested state of matter, prakriti. 
At this time, the jivas along with prakriti remain in an inactive state within the body of Mahavishnu. When it is time for a new creative cycle to begin, he manifests the universes. So, as we see here in this commentary, and as we'll see in the ending Anuchedas of the Paramatma Sandarbha, the Gaudiya viewpoint, as expressed in this Paramatma Sandarbha by Srila Jiva Goswami, is the entirety of the creative tendency on the part of the Supreme Lord is there in order to facilitate the further development in loving relationship of his devotees. Here in the commentary, it's pointed out those specific devotees who did not reach perfection in the current cycle of the material manifestation. Uh, this is quite an extraordinary viewpoint uh, to, to look at the material world in such, a, in such a devotional way and the entirety of it being there simply to facilitate devotees. But there's a, there's a, there's a unique characteristic of that, is there not? The fact that devotees themselves walking in the world, facilitate devotion, which touches the heart of other jivas and thereby provides opportunity for them to enter into a practice which will also lead to their spiritual perfection. So, Therefore, the cycles, the un, there is an unending cycle of samsara on the individual basis and also on the cosmic basis. And the, the material universes, therefore, will always come into being based upon this appreciation of the fact that bhakti is the driving force behind the manifestation of the material universes on all levels. Continuing into the little bit of a further unpacking of this linga idea. In the Brahma Samhita, again, this verse that we uh, read a little earlier, 5.8, Sabu is referred to as the causal agent of Sri Krishna, the original Bhagavan. For this reason, Sambhu is called Linga. So this whole, this whole use of the terminology Sambhu and, and Linga is, is, is centered around this concept of causal agent. It's, it's something that is used and that will be explained here as we go on uh, as, an, as, a, as an agency, as an indicator. Etymologically, the word linga means an indicator. A linga is that which discloses an object or a hidden meaning. 
For example, in Nyaya, smoke is known as the linga for fire because by seeing smoke, one can infer the presence of fire. In this sense, smoke can be said to be the causal, said to be causal in regard to the inference of fire. Therefore, linga means an indicator, symbol, or cause. Sambhu is the linga of Krishna. Now, again, remember, Sambhu here is Mahanarayan in Vaikuntha, and the Sambhu of Mahanarayan in Vaikuntha is Garbodakshai Vishnu. I'm sorry, not Garbo, Karnadakshai Vishnu, the, the original Vishnu from which all these, all, all the Paramatma manifestations come. So it starts out with one manifestation and then he spreads himself out further. So first on the causal ocean and from him, his pores uh, come forth unlimited universes, which he again, he again enters into. So he enters into those universes as Garbhadakshai Vishnu and those universes are populated with jivas, and he enters into them and to, through all the material nature um, as Kashiro Dakshai Vishnu. So Sambhu is the linga of Krishna in both senses. He is his causal agents in the matter of creation, and he also indicates the existence of his source, Sri Krishna. So Really, this terminology of linga is pointing to an understanding that we, if we look carefully to the manifestation of a material cosmos, although we don't see it coming directly forth from Krishna, Govinda, Swayam Bhagavan in, in his personal transcendental atmosphere of Galok. We don't experience it that way. Still, we can understand that he is the personality behind which the entire material manifestation comes forth. And he uses for that purpose his other, his other manifestation uh, in Vaikuntha Mahanarayan, the first of the Chaturvyuha. Continuing here with this explanation, just a little bit more. Sambhu is known as Linga, a causal agent comparable to that causal potency, Lingam Eva, which manifests the Purusha avatar. In the same way, the word yoni, commonly womb, does not mean the female organ, but refers instead to pradhan, as in Bhagavad Gita 14.3. The total material substance called brahman, pradhan, is my own womb into which I sow the seed of living beings. Mama yonir mahad brahma. Krishna embodies the male principle and so does not have a yoni in the conventional sense. The words linga and yoni both signify a cause or source. 
this kind of usage is known as parokshavad or indirect expression. So these terms, linga and yoni, uh, from a material, in a material context, would refer to the male and female uh, creative organs. Well, they're just, when, when applied to the material manifestation and the impregnation of all the jivas into that material prakriti or energy of the Supreme Lord, Shakti, um, though the terminology may be there, we may see it, lingam and yoni, womb and, and uh, uh, creative uh, organ, but it, it's, not, it's not the same. It's just, and it, it's, it's giving us an expression which we can relate to from, from our vantage point of material nature seeing the way material nature manifests uh, additional living entities. So Krishna, he, he, he has both those potencies. The prim primary meaning of the word Sambhu is a special part of Mahabhagavan Sri Govinda and not Bhagavan Shiva. Etymologically, Sambhu means he from whom Sam means liberation or bhakti ensues. So Sam, when we look at the word Sambhu, now etymologically, it means Sam from whom liberation or bhakti ensues. The word Sama is used in the sense of bhakti in the Bhagavatam. Sama is the state of the wisdom faculty, buddhi, when it is exclusively fixed on me, Sri Krishna. Samu man nistita buddhi, from the 11th canto. The Vasista Dvaita Kosha glosses the word Sambhu as Narayan, who is the source of the cosmos and the bestower of liberation. This very Sambhu is called Maheshwar, and Purusha, Ramasamhita. It is from him that the first Paramatma, called Mahavishnu, manifests. From all, from all this, it is concluded that Sambhu Narayan is an intermediary between Krishna and Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu, or Karnadakshai Vishnu, the, the, the a, the original Paramatma or the macrocosmic feature of Paramatma, Mahavishnu does not contact the material energy directly. Thus, his conduit in the form of Shiva. Thus, Shiva or Sambhu becomes the causal agent or linga of Mahavishnu. So even Mahavishnu has a linga or causal agent, and that is Lord Shiva, who actually does contact the material energy. Thus, it is understood that there are two Sambhus. One is Narayan himself, and the other is Shiva. 
We'll continue here with a little bit more of the ontology of the Paramatma before we go on to the ontology of the Jiva. So now let's look at this second Purusha. The first Purusha is that Mahavishnu from whom all the universes come forth uh, as perspiration would come forth from one's pores. The second Purusha is the indweller, Antaryami, of the aggregate of all jivas, Samasti Jiva, as indicated in the statement, such as, after creating the world, he entered into it. Because this form is involved with the universes, which are, manif which are manifold, manifold, this Purusha has numerous divisions among which are sometimes included Pradyumna, who is the indweller of the subtle or psychic dimension of being, and Aniruddha, who is the indweller of the gross or physical dimension of being. From this, it can be concluded that the original Sankarshan and the other supracosmic forms of Vasudev, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha who are situated in Mahavaikuntha, are the whole of which these cosmic forms are the parts. Furthermore, the cosmic forms of Vasudeva and so on, who are the presiding deities of pure intellection, Chitta, and the other psychic functions, are parts of these original forms. A little technical here, but in this Anucheta, Jiva Goswami is putting forth the concept for us to appreciate that the second manifest, the, the manifestations of the Purusha that enter into the universe are a second manifestation of the original quadruple manifestation of the Supreme Godhead from Vaikuntha, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Prajuna, and Aniruddha, those supracosmic forms also ex have their expansions, and those expansions enter into each of the individual uh, global uh, shells of the universes, or the second manifestation of the Purusha. And then we come to the third Purusha. The third Purusha, so the second Purusha is um, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. Uh, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, a, gar, a manifestation of Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, or the Paramatma, uh, resides within every single uh, universe. And from that manifestation of Garbhodakshai Vishnu springs forth the lotus upon which the Brahma, who is the creator of the universe uh, and the, the grandsire of the population of the universe, uh, he springs forth. And of course, those manifestations of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradumna, and Aniruddha are facilitators and 
of the capacities that are there uh, within every individual universe. Now we come to the third Puruja, which is the indweller of the individual being, as described in statements such as the following. There are two birds who are ever related and who thus share an intimate friendship sitting on the same tree. Of these two, one eats the pipala fruit, which is full of divergent taste, while the other shines in his own glory, merely witnessing without eating. Because of the innumerable divisions, Jeevas are variegated divisions of the third Purusha. Continuing in the same vein, but jumping ahead to the seventh Anucheta. Bhagavan Sri Krishna instructed Uddhava in a similar manner. Just as the moon, although one, is reflected in numerous pots filled with water, similarly the Supreme Self alone is present as the self, Atmani, interior to all beings, and the bodies, too, are of one essence. There is only one Supreme Self, Paramatma, interior to all living beings, Bhuteshu, the jivas. He is not implicated in these bodies like the living entities. To assure us of this, Krishna says here, Paramatma is present as the self, Atmani, meaning that he is situated exclusively in his own Swarup, or intrinsic being. The word Bhutani here refers to the bodies of the jivas. These two have a single essence due to having him alone as their common cause. So this understanding of the third Purusha, this Indwelling Paramatma is further explained here uh, in two different ways, as two birds sitting in the same tree of the material body, and also as the, the indwelling Paramatma being reflected within innumerable pots of water, which would be within the, as the indwelling self within unlimited jivas as the indwelling atma. From there, there is a further explanation given by jiva as to the guna avatar manifestations within the unit, within the universes, um, so that we can see that this is, this is a further outpouring of the Shakti of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. After thus establishing the various forms of the one Purusha, Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Karbo Dakshai Vishnu, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu, his portions, Amsas, will now be further described. So, that Paramatma feature also has his features 
which pour forth from him. His portions are of two types. So coming from Parapatma, we have self-same manifestations, swamsa, and differentiated manifestations, vibhimamsa. It will be described that the vibhimamsa are the living beings, the jivas, who are of the nature of the intermediary potency, tatasta shakti, or in other words, the potency situated on the dividing line of and mediating between the intrinsic and extrinsic potencies of Bhagavan. The swamsas are of various types, with the visions of guna avatar, lila avatar, and so on. Of these, the lila avatars and others will be described in Sri Krishna Sandarbha due to the relevance of the context there. So the Leela avatars, Jiva Goswami is going to elaborate upon those uh, manifestations of the Supreme Lord uh, in the Krishna Sandarbha in a more comprehensive manner. Now we come to an introduction of Jiva Tattva. So we have a very, very broad overview of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Absolute Truth uh, from the beginning, the ontology of Paramatma in the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, this, is, this is further unpacked and explain there, and our overview is just to give us a glimpse of some of the detailed knowledge that is contained therein. Even those areas where we went into some detail are simply small portions of specific anuchetas that dealt with those subject matters. So there's much, much knowledge to be gained there. Uh, as to the un, an understanding of this manifestation uh, of this of the Godhead. So now we go on to the Jiva Tattva. So the Jiva Tattva is one of the potencies coming forth from Paramatma. Jiva writes in his 19th Anucheta, the Jiva or the internal self is counted, I'm sorry, or the individual self is counted among the attendants of Paramatma. Its extrinsic characteristic, Tatastalaksana, was stated earlier, namely that, is, that it is the conditional knower of the presentational field of its own body-mind complex. The intrinsic characteristics, Shwaruplaksana of the jiva, were imparted by Sri Jamitri Muni, a very senior teacher of the Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya in the line of Sri Ramanujacharya, who has followed the Padma Purana, where it is said in the course of explaining Pranava Om. Now we are going to read a, an extensive explanation of the intrinsic characteristics of the jiva. Extrinsically, well, it's unlimited. The modes of material nature are continually 
influencing the jiva and his extrinsic characteristics give us the unlimited variegatedness that we experience within the material nature. Unlimited living entities can be seen there in many, many, many fold uh, divisions of material bodies, depending on the various influence of those modes of material natures on the jiva. So extrinsically, we can see there's 8,400,000 species. What to speak of within any one of those 8,400,000 species, how many specific uh, living entities are there? The varieties are countless. Uh, and the, the counting of those jivatmas within the Lord's external potency are themselves uncountable from our vantage point. But here, in this portion of the Paramatma Sandarbha, we're going to talk about the ontology of the jiva, the intrinsic nature. What, what is the common, the, the characteristics of the jiva in its true nature, not in its nature when it allows itself to be influenced by the Lord's external energy, the Bahiranga Shakti, or Maya. So, Swarup Lakshana, these intrinsic characteristics. So first we're going to see how the Padma Purana lists those characteristics, and then we're going to see why Despite the explanation given in the Padma Purana, Jiva Goswami, for his elaboration of these intrinsic characteristics, chose to go with Sri Jamitri Muni's explanation and exposition on the characteristics of the internal characteristics, the Sharup Lakshana of the Jiva. There's a specific reason he did that. So first, to the Padma Purana and its explanation of what's the nature of the internal nature of the, of the Jivatma. The letter M in Om signifies the Jiva, the witness of the presentational field of the body, Shetrajna who is always dependent upon and subservient to the Supreme Self, Paramatma. He is constitutionally a servant of Bhagavan Hari only and never of anyone else. He is the conscious substratum endowed with the attribute of knowledge. He is conscious and beyond matter. He is never born, undergoes no modification, is of one unchanging form, and situated in his own essential identity, Swarup. He is atomic, smaller, the smallest particle without any parts, eternal, pervasive of the body and intrinsically of the nature of consciousness and bliss. He is the referent of the pronoun I, imperishable, 
the proprietor of the body, distinct from all other jivas and never ending. The jiva cannot be burnt, cut, wetted, or dried, and is not subject to decay. He is endowed with these and other attributes. He is indeed the irreducible remainder, remainder, satia, the integrated part of the complete whole, Padma Purana, Uttarakhanda. So this is a rather comprehensive explanation of the jiva in its essence. And then we go on to uh, the verses of Jamatri Muni and what characteristics he brings out, which are the intrinsic nature of the jiva. I'm not going to go over the exact uh, verses. Uh, we've delineated here the 21 characteristics. And for the most part, they're the same as given in the Param, the Padma Prana, except for three notable differences. And those are of these 21 characteristics, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. So it is because of Jamatri's Muni's utilization, uh, presentation of these specific characteristics that Jiva elaborates on his explanation in the Paramatma Sandarbha those two simply elaborating on the verse given from the Padma Purana. And those characteristics are that the jiva is endowed with knowership, cognitive awareness. He's endowed with agency, the ability to, to affect something, pronation. And he's endowed with experiential capacity, affectivity. In other words, we experience uh, the environment we experience. So these are three characteristics that were not in the Padma Purana definition. So we're going to, as I said, this is an overview, and all Gaudiya Vaishnavas are, have been thoroughly schooled by Lord Krishna himself and his instructions to Arjuna as to the nature of the self. In the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, those first six chapters are talking about the nature of the jiva. So let us just go to a little bit of a, of a more in-depth uh, understanding of these three specific characteristics that Jiva thought were so important uh, that would bring him to accepting the detailed explanation of Jamatri Muni. Of these characteristics from Jamatri Muni, the first, that the jiva, the atma, is not a god, a human, or any other species of life, 
was implied in the following verse. So he, he elaborates a little bit on the 19, in his 19th Anucheta. Just as the vital force, prana, remains unchanging as it accompanies the individual living being, jiva, in whatever different species it may appear, whether born from eggs, wombs, seeds, or perspiration, the ama is unchanging in the state of deep sleep. When the senses and ego are deactivated, then there is freedom from the subtle body, which is the cause of transformation. Yet upon awakening, the remembrance comes to us that we slept peacefully without awareness of anything. And this indicates that in deep sleep, the self is present as pure witness, devoid of the, of the content of sensual, mental, or egoic awareness. So from this... little commentary here, and then uh, entering a little deeper into this uh, as time allows. Up to this point, Sri Jiva has described the ontology of Paramatma. In doing so, he's explained Paramatma's three manifestations as the supreme regulator of the metacosmo, uh, the macrocosmo, and the microcosmo. Um, and also his identity among the trinity of gods as Vishnu of the trinity of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Paramam is the regulator of the innumerable jivas and of the material nature, Pakriti. To understand the regulator, it is necessary to understand the regulated. Just as to understand a manager, one also needs to understand or to know his field of action. As such, realization of the jiva precedes that of Paramatma. If we can fully understand the nature of our being, of the jiva, as ourself, both as seen with impressions and without, and sometimes the terminology is applied to the pure essence of our being is the Atma. And once we take on upadis or take on impressions from the material environment in which we inhabit, uh, we're referred to as the, as the jiva. So as, if you remember from our last discussion, this is one of the items that was put forth as being presented in the Paramatma Sandarbha, this distinction between Atma and Jiva, how these terminologies are used to distinguish uh, these different uh, understandings. So maybe an, another way to understand that is the the Swarup Lakshana, the internal characteristics of the jiva. Um, when we look at the jiva simply from that vantage point of its intrinsic characteristic that can be referred as 
the Atma. And once we look to the jiva influenced by the mind-body complex, then this terminology of jiva is a, applied. Now, not all schools use these terminologies in this way, but we can certainly see that these terminologies are put forth um, at different times by different um, transcendentalists in order to convey uh, varied meanings. A little deeper into this understanding, an object has two types of defining characteristics, laksana, called tatasta, and swarup. The purpose of defining the characteristics of an object is to distinguish it from others, both similar and dissimilar, in order to determine how to deal with it appropriately. Tatasta, extrinsic or incidental defining characteristics, are those that are indefinable, I'm sorry, identifiable as extraneous to the object being defined which do not belong to its essential nature, but by which it is commonly recognized. Shorup characteristics are those that are part of the object itself, essential and in intrinsic to it. The pure, unbound, unconditioned being is called the Atma, whereas the conditioned being is called the Jiva. The cause of conditioning is the beginningness ignorance, anadi avidya, of the self's real identity or swarup, which results in absorption in the mental modifications, chitta vritti. In this Anucheta, Sri Jiva begins a description of the Jiva's swarup. So now we go on to we just did an overview of, of the early, an earlier characteristic, which was common both in the Padma Paramana and the explanation of Jamatri Muni. Uh, now we come on to the specifics of uh, these three characteristics uh, endowed with knowership, agency, and experiential capacity. Anucheta 35. The jiva is eternal. Nitya, quality number 16, and unblemished, Nirmala, quality 17, because it is intrinsically pure by nature. As demonstrated already, the pure knower of the presentational field merely witnesses these beginningless modifications of the impure actor of mind. Moreover, by the very same statement, it is further shown that the capacity to know, jnatritva, quality number 18, also belongs even to the pure atma by virtue of its being a knower of the presentational field and its cognition, cognitive capacity being a natural attribute of the eternal self. And this cognitive attribute capacity being a natural attribute of the eternal self is also eternal and thus does not undergo modifications. Jiva continues in the Anucheta, because the body is seen to have agency, 
Kartritva, quality 19, as a result of its relation with the individual conscious being. And because inert objects are also acknowledged as sometimes exhibiting agency due to the presence of the indwelling supreme consciousness in accordance with the statement without whom nothing is accomplished, it is concluded that agency ensues only from the pure, i.e., only from the individual or from the supreme consciousness. Thus, it is said, being infused with whose conscious portion the body senses, vital force, mind, and intellect perform their respective functions. So Jeeva is making it clear here that this agency is a common characteristic of both the individual self and the supreme self. And that without that self existing for the jiva within a specific body or within by permeating all of material nature, as in the sense of the paramatma is animating all of material nature, without this specific characteristic, uh, there would be no action uh, within a material cosmos, within the external energy. So we will continue in our next discussion uh, with the last of these uh, characteristics, the experiential capacity, and then uh, continue on to look a little bit more deeply through the perspective of the Paramatma Sandarbha at the Bahiranga Shakti and its uh, two primary manifestations. And that will give us a general overview of what Jiva has given us in Paramatma Sandarbha. And if we finish up with this one additional class, then we will enter into our in-depth study of the Krishna Sandarbha, uh, either one or two weeks from today. If anyone has any questions, uh, I'll be glad to do my best to answer them. And if there are no questions, I will sincerely thank you for your kind association and attention to this uh, wonderful presentation of Srila Jeeva Goswami. Panchakalpatubhischa, Tripasindabhivacha, Patitanam, Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavijanamonamaha. Sri Mandulal Chandra Prabhu ki jai.
Oh, 